Chapman University, where big ideas are born. We strive to become multidimensional, original thinkers. The kind of people who flourish in a challenging world. The kind of people who rise to every occasion. The kind of people who can accomplish anything imaginable. Welcome to Chapman Chats. This is a time for you to explore your options and do research on what different colleges and universities have to offer. We hope you can tune in to learn more about who we are at Chapman and get some general tips on the college search and application process. Hi everyone, it's Wednesday, January 20th. My name is Tanaz Norian and I will be your host again today. I am an admission counselor here at Chapman. So today we have one member of the Chapman family here to chat with us about going abroad not once, not twice, but three times, which is crazy. Ryan, thank you so much for being here. We are so excited to hear about your experiences. So tell us about yourself. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, Like you mentioned, my name is Ryan. I'm currently a four plus one MBA candidate here, so I'm expected to graduate um, this summer. I did my bachelor's degree at Chapman, a class of 2020, where I was a business administration major with emphasis in international business and finance. And then I also did a minor in Chinese language. And then uh, one fun fact about me is that I've actually been to 30 countries overall. Whoa. I don't I don't know if we have enough time to talk about all 30 countries <laughs> you've been to, but that is impressive. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many you went to? within your Chapman experience within those four years? You know what? A lot of them. I think probably about 14 or 15 or so were in one way or another Chapman related. I mean, I did three programs, three study abroad programs, but I always did my best to make sure I stayed a little bit longer or went over a little bit early or when I did a full semester abroad, I was always taking weekend trips to kind of take advantage of my time and, you know, where I was in the world. So I had a lot of opportunities to visit other countries that were near the, you know, host location that I was in. And we will definitely get into that today and experiencing places outside of the abroad program that you choose. So we're really excited to cover that. Let's go over a timeline of the different programs you did. So What was the first program you did? Why did you do it? Tell us a little bit more information about that. Yeah, so on my first day as a freshman, um, I walked in my Chinese class and my teacher had said that she wanted to offer a travel course to Taiwan the following summer. So I, you know, I, I knew I liked to travel and I knew I wanted to study abroad. So I'm like, well, let's, why not do it? So in the summer of 2017, I went to Taiwan for about a month um, we studied at a university called Fengjia University, which is in Taichung. Um, and we did a lot of traveling throughout the country too, but Taichung was our kind of home base there. Then I was home for six weeks, and then I went and I did a semester abroad in London. So really, you know, the reason why I chose London was because, you know, in high school, I did something of a study abroad type program um, with an organization called People to People where they um, took high school students over to Europe or other parts of the world just to kind of learn the history and the culture and whatnot. And London was a place I really enjoyed. So I always thought I'd want to go back there. So that's how I came about London. Um, Did fall 2017 there and then came home, kind of got bored again, decided I wanted to do something different. Um, I had really wanted to do the international internship to Shanghai once again to kind of build on my Chinese minor, 
but unfortunately the internship placement was in English and in order for me to get credit towards my minor it would have had to have been in Chinese the actual like internship placement which one just wasn't an option and then two I don't think I would have had the language skills to have been able to do that very well so I decided to sign up to do the travel course to Taiwan for a second time over the summer of 2019 and even though it was technically the same travel course um you know on paper uh, the professor actually took us to a different university. So we went to the National Taiwan Normal University in Taipei and spent about a month there um, studying Chinese as well. That's so awesome. So could you tell us something in Chinese? I I need to know. Just tell our listeners, I'm so excited to be here. Would you be able to to tell us that? I'm so excited. Uh, I don't know. I'm very excited. Hello, my name is Ryan. It's very nice to meet you all. That is so impressive. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so you have visited 30 countries. You've done most mm -hmm. of that during your Chapman experience. Tell us about mm -hmm. how you incorporated visiting other places into your experience. Of course, very different um, options for when you're doing a travel course and when you're doing a full semester abroad somewhere. So when I, well, I guess the first time I went to Taiwan, I extended my trip, but I just stayed in Taiwan um, my first time going to Asia, so I wasn't quite as comfortable to get on a plane and fly to another country. The second time I went, um, summer of 2019, I actually received an airfare scholarship, which we can talk about later if you want, um, but the stipulation for me to get that scholarship, they didn't care the dates that I went over. The only thing they cared about is that I was flying from LAX to Taipei. That was their only stipulation. So for me, I took advantage of it and I added a couple weeks beforehand and then a couple weeks afterwards. So I went over two weeks early to Taiwan, spent a day there, and then I actually went and met uh, my stepbrother in Japan and we traveled all through Japan. Then I came back to Taiwan, did my month in Taiwan, and then um, a couple of other guys that were participating in that program had expressed an interest in traveling after the program as well so with them we then went to Singapore for about a week and then after Singapore I went on to Malaysia for another week and then from there we headed home so for the travel course because when you participate in a travel course you have to stay with the group so you kind of have to add it on the end or from the beginning for semester abroad um, I was fortunate when I was in London, um, that I always had three-day weekends. Some students even had four-day weekends. And, you know, as I mentioned before, I had already been to London. I'd already been, you know, traveled extensively throughout the United Kingdom before I studied abroad there. So as much as I loved London and as much as I wanted to do everything in London, my interest in being in Europe wasn't necessarily to go back to all the places that I had already been. So I always took advantage of, you know, my three-day weekends of going someplace new. Instead of going you know, to Scotland, which I'd already been to, I was like, let's go to Budapest or Greece or Iceland, um, whatever it may be. And the airfare was so cheap there that it's like, how can you not do it? it? You know, I flew to Norway, it was $25 round trip. And if I was spending, you know, more than say $60 round trip on airfare to go to a foreign country, that was kind of an expensive plane ticket for me. And another thing that, that worked out really well um, and I think this is something that it definitely depends on your personality because I'm sure it could be difficult. Um, but when I first went over to London, my mom and a couple of my aunts actually came over and we went about um, two weeks beforehand and we traveled around London 
Um, we were supposed to go to Paris, but we didn't end up going there. Then at the end of my program, since I did fall semester, um, I either could have gotten on a plane, come back home and taken interterm classes, or I could have taken interterm off. So I decided, you know what, I'm already ahead credits wise, don't really want to do that. So I stayed in Europe for the whole six weeks of interterm and I had a friend come over. She spent two weeks with me. We did Paris and then we went to Madrid. And then the day she left, my dad and stepmom came over and then we did like seven other countries as well. So there's, there's lots of different things that you can do. And especially if you're going to spend the money to fly halfway around the world, you might as well make it worth it and see as much as you can. Totally. That is honestly some great advice. And I graduated from Chapman and I wish I had that advice, like taking inner term off to, to travel and stay there. That, that is great advice for, for our students. Um, can you tell us a little bit about balancing that travel and exploration when you're abroad with coursework and tests and studying? I mean, once again, it's very different experiences for when you do a travel course and when you do a semester abroad. Um, so the travel course, especially for a language travel course like Chinese, it's very intensive. Um, you know, we specifically went to universities that had, it's called a Mandarin training center. So they specialized in teaching foreigners Mandarin Chinese. So they had it down and they had very high expectations. And my professor had high expectations too. So being in Taiwan, there really wasn't a lot of time to kind of travel externally other than what was included in the program. We did have a lot of free time on our weekends and uh, the professor did a very good job of um, orchestrating different activities for us to do that, you know, immerse us in the culture, but also give us the opportunity to see and do stuff that had I just gone to Taiwan on my own, I probably wouldn't have known about to just go do. So it really was a great experience, but it's definitely an intensive course. So you do have to kind of juggle there. As far as semester abroad, I'm sure it varies considerably depending upon which semester abroad program you do. Um, the program that I did in London, they have a lot of international students and they have a lot of Americans. And I think the professors kind of know that as much as we are there to learn, we also kind of want to get, um, you know, we want the opportunity to see the world as well. So they were a little lenient. And in my opinion, the way that the British education system is set up, there's a lot less busy work. Whereas here, when you take a class, it's not uncommon to have a homework assignment almost every night and a reading almost every night. In the UK, for each class that I took, I had two assignments for the entire semester. About halfway through, we had some sort of project paper presentation. Then at the very end of the semester, um, we had our final, which is either a paper or presentation. So day to day, you had to keep up on your reading, but it wasn't like you were doing, you know, kind of the busy work that sometimes you get stuck with here in the U.S. So it 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 kind of gave you a little bit more flexibility to do non-school things as well. That's good to know. But for our listeners. Stay on top of your schoolwork, no matter what. (laughs) Exactly. Chapman Chats is presented by the Chapman University Office of Admission. Have a topic you'd like to learn more about or a special guest you'd like to hear from? Email us at admit at chapman.edu. That's A-D-M-I-T at chapman.edu. Now, back to Chapman Chats.
Ryan, can you tell us about the highlights of each experience? Because I know they are completely different ones. So when I was in London during the semester abroad, one of my favorite things to do, like actually in London, there's a restaurant called Copa Club and they have two locations, but one of their locations is right on the River Thames next to the Tower of London and, you know, the Tower Bridge. And in the winter, they pull out these like plastic see-through igloos and set them outside on their patio and then they give you blankets and put a little heater in there. So even though it's freezing outside, you go, you sit in your little igloo, you wrap up in a blanket, you eat your lunch or dinner, and then you just kind of watch the boats go by the river and, you know, stare at the Tower of London. That was one of my favorite experiences, just kind of one of the more simpler things. Um, you know, as far as kind of my other travels when I was in Europe, I mean, it's hard to pick. I went and saw the Northern Lights in Iceland. I went skiing on the Matterhorn in Switzerland. Like, there's all types of things that I did that just were awesome. Um, as far as Taiwan is concerned, the travel course, one of my favorite memories there is, is kind of a funny story. Uh, you know, in Chinese culture, jade is very important. Um, lots of people wear it as jewelry. You see it all over the place. So the first time I went, I thought to myself, I was like, oh, it'd be kind of interesting just to buy something jade to bring it back. I'm not the type of person who really likes to buy, you know, trinkets or like souvenirs or cheap stuff. If I'm going to buy something, I want to buy something that's like like culturally important or not not just like, you know, in Paris and get a little keychain in the Eiffel Tower that doesn't really do much for me. So I had kind of wanted to do that, but I didn't know anything about jade. And I was like thinking, you know, it's like a gym. I don't want to get ripped off. I don't want to spend a lot of money on something. It turns out to be nothing. So maybe I avoid that. Well, on the second trip, someone else in the program brought it up. They're like, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to get like a jade pendant here. We were talking to my Chinese teacher about it. And I was like, you know what? I, I wouldn't mind doing that as well. Well, my Chinese teacher is from Taiwan and her mother lives in Taipei. And her mother actually knows a lot about jade and has a lot of jade jewelry. So her mom took me and a couple other students to the jade markets in Taipei taught us how to tell good quality jade from bad quality jade. And I mean, she literally was haggling for us and we went and bought jade and it, it, it was just a really interesting experience because that's, that's something that had I gone to Taiwan on my own, I would have never done on my own. Like I wouldn't have had the knowledge nor would I have had the guts to go like haggle prices down at a jade market with the people who make it. So it was just a really cool experience to go buy that little pendant there. That's awesome. That That is really cool. Thanks for sharing that. Um, can you give us advice for students looking to incorporate multiple trips into their experience? You had a busy schedule. You were taking on a minor. You're in the four plus one program. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I think really the most important thing if you want to do multiple programs is you have to be really proactive about your class schedule. From Chapman's perspective and, you know, what I have experienced, they don't they don't really care if you do one program, if you do three. You can do as much as you want. You just got to make sure it works with your schedule. So for me, I was always very proactive about it and knowing which class I wanted to take for which semester. And, you know, with my regular major classes, there was a quite a bit of flexibility. But where it really came into effect for me was my minor in Chinese because there were a lot of classes that I needed to take. And for the most part, I really could only take one class a semester just because the program's kind of small. That's all that was offered. So 
I knew two years, you know, early that I was going to have to take that summer class in 2019, whether it be a travel course, whether it just be a summer class here at Chapman, or whether it be an international internship. I knew I had to do something. So that's something that I've always encouraged people to look at early. I think a lot of people kind of build up in their head like, oh, well, a lot of people go study abroad junior year, so I'm going to do it junior year. I don't think kind of arbitrarily choosing which year you want to go abroad based on what other people do is necessarily the right way to go. I think it's really look at your class schedule and see what works and try to fit in as much as you can, as much as you want. You know, even though I've done three programs right now, I'm in the four plus one program. They offer a summer travel course um, called Business in Scandinavia, which I'm hoping to sign up for this summer and hopefully do a fourth program. So hopefully COVID will allow me to go. But once again, it's just, it's something that fits with my schedule and it's something I want to do. And because I was proactive with how I planned out my other classes, it's something that, you know, COVID allowing, I should be able to do. Right. I really hope you get to go on that program. It sounds really fun. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about how costs worked for you in your planning? Um, And you mentioned you've got a scholarship as well. So feel free to tell us about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So start with semester abroad. When you do a semester abroad program, there's two different types of programs. One program, which is like 90% of the programs Chapman offers, they will take all of your financial aid that you have. So whether that be student loans, grants, Chapman scholarships, they will use that to help cover the cost of study abroad program. The other types of programs are state and federal aid only. So with them, you can only apply you know, like student loans and whatnot to the cost of the program, you can't use your Chapman scholarships. So for me, the program that I did accepted all my financial aid. And as far as billing is concerned, you start out with your regular Chapman tuition, you pay the housing fee, which is like the average price of a double on campus. Some programs do offer a meal plan, but most of them don't. And then there's a $500 study abroad fee. So if you're already a Chapman student who lives on campus um, and is paying Chapman tuition, really the only additional cost to Chapman for a semester abroad is the $500 study abroad fee. So looking at it from that perspective, I mean, for me, I was a commuter student, so I did have to pay for housing for one semester that I hadn't before, but that was something that I had expected. Overall, for a lot of students, it really, from a cost basis, doesn't end up costing that much more for you to do the semester abroad. Now, travel courses are a little bit different, and that's because there's a program cost and then a tuition cost. So when you go onto the Global Gateway, which is the Center for Global Education's website, you'll see a list of all the travel courses offered, and there will be price advertised with that. That price is the program fee. That helps cover, you know, your accommodation, your excursions. Just that's the cost for you to participate in the program. Now, if you want that travel course to count towards your degree, you then have to pay for the tuition credits. But there's ways to get around that. You know, if you participate in an interterm travel course, um, provided you're a full-time student fall and spring semester, that tuition for those three credits is already included in what you pay Chapman year-round. So in that scenario, you wouldn't need to pay the tuition fee. As far as summer, since summer credits are not included in what you normally pay Chapman, you would have to pay that fee, 
but the business office offers a one-time tuition waiver provided you meet their requirements um which normally i think it's you have to be a full-time student for um, a full academic year and have never used the tuition waiver before but that's up to the discussion of the business office so check with them before you count on that um but in that scenario you can use the tuition waiver to waive the tuition fee so you just have to pay the program cost so for me when i made the decision the first time to go to taiwan i was already in the application process to go do a semester in london and i you know i really wanted to go to taiwan and i came home and i told my mom and i was like i want to go to taiwan but like that's a lot of money between going to taiwan and then doing a semester abroad in london like i don't know if that's really the smart thing to do but we sat down and we kind of looked at the finances and of course everyone's financial aid is different so it, this is just how it was for my personal situation but the way that i looked at it is that if my you know yearly cost to chapman is say $45,000 for tuition and i take 10 classes a year that's about $4,500 a class the program fee for that travel course was right around $2,000 so in my head i was able to get the tuition waiver i paid $2,000 for the program fee I still had $2,500 left over for my airfare to get there and for living expenses before like it cost me more than what it cost me to do it at Chapman. So I figured, you know what, I might as well go take the same class that I need to take anyways in Taiwan. It'll actually save me money. Um, as far as the scholarships were concerned, so I'm a first generation um, student. And so through Chapman's first generation program, I forget the official name for it, but they have, I believe it's called the Promising Futures Airfare Scholarship. So you can apply for that twice. And it, it's it's almost like a first come first served type of thing. They also, I think, take into account your financial situation. But the, the goal of the scholarship is to help um, pay for the airfare for first generation students. So the first time that I went to Taiwan, I was a little bit late in the application process for it because I didn't make the decision to go until later in the application process. Um, so by the time I applied to that, they had kind of dished out a lot of their funding. So I was only able to get um, $500 worth towards my airfare. But my overall airfare, I think, was $800 for that program. So it really only cost me $300 out of pocket to fly to Taiwan. Then the second time I went, you know, I knew about the scholarship and I applied as soon as I could and they paid for the entire cost of my airfare to go to Taiwan. So really at the end of the day, I have felt for both of my travel courses, it was actually cheaper even taking into account, you know, airfare and living expenses for me to go take that travel course in Taiwan than it would have been for me to take the similar class here at Chapman. Of course, everyone's financial situation is different and there's a wide range in costs for travel courses, but that's just what I found for my situation. Wow, that is really impressive, Ryan. I do have to say you did stay so proactive in that all and that is great advice for students is to stay proactive and use your resources on our campus. Obviously, Ryan um, was in a good position knowing that he would have to apply early for the Promising Futures um, scholarship. So using your resources across campus is super important. The Center for Global Education is there for you all. 
because you all will embark on a different abroad journey. You're not all going to do the same three programs that Ryan did. So it's really important to stay on top of it and use your resources that we offer on campus. But Ryan, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. You gave us some amazing insight and advice. That was such a fun uh, episode for me. We will continue season three with more awesome episodes about studying abroad at Chapman. For everyone out there listening to Chapman Chats, make sure to connect with us and check out all of the opportunities we offer to discover Chapman. Thank you, Ryan. Feel free to give us a goodbye in Chinese. <laughs> I would really love, I would appreciate that. <laughs> well, I mean, thank you so much for having me. Um, Zaijian is how you say goodbye in Chinese. So, Zaijian. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for tuning into Chapman Chats. Visit chapman.edu to explore degrees and programs, schedule a virtual tour, or even attend an information session. Need guidance throughout the application process? Be sure to connect with your admission counselor. We're here to help. We'll see you next time.